Welcome back to the RZ. Join us for the second part of my interview with Andre at the Euro Think Tank. What led you to go into the chaplaincy? Maybe you were unaware of some of these difficulties, but what what was it that that turned you towards that? A sense of calling, a genuine sense of calling. Um, it was a something terrible that happened to very good personal friends of mine, a friend I went to school with, and his wife had just been newlywed and were expecting their first child. I was supposed to conduct their wedding together with a Catholic guy the following year and including the baptism of that child. And then that child was born and it turned out, uh, and this only happens, it was in Switzerland, it only happens like once every two years in the whole of Switzerland, this this child was actually born with cancer. And it was... um, and so it only left very shortly. And they asked, they were felt very vulnerable. They didn't want anyone to come in that they didn't know. So they asked me to come and do the baptism. And um, I did that. Uh, it was terrible because I was people I knew personally. And uh, also in, we were, in a terrible situation, a child yes. being born with cancer is yeah. and then and then uh sometime later I did the funeral. And then I, that was shortly before I came to Bonn, just as I was about to finish my theological um, degree at St. Andrews University. And and after that, when I went to Bonn, I said, you know, you went through this, you know, volunteer for the hospital chaplaincy. So before I actually got that position at the palliative care clinic, I did this beside my university stuff once a week. So I was a volunteer for years before I actually got hired. And you must have realized you had you had abilities in that regard. Yes, yes, absolutely. And that that it didn't kill me. I thought if I had gone been able to gone through to go through that extreme case with my friends, I, I might be able to bear it. And I did for a long time. It's just uh, not forever. And I, I think Probably, I mean, you see, part of it is, of course, addictive because you see that you're really good at this and that people love you, and and that is very addictive and dangerous. But and I you're think helping them. You see, you see yeah. that you're doing good too, and you kind of can that that is rewarding. Yes, of course, of course, it is, and it and it and it gives you insight. It gives you um, a sense of truth um, about your faith that you can hardly find in out in the world uh these days particularly here in europe would you say speaking from your a little bit on your own christian um your own faith would you say that that which is kind of what you were leading into that that actually was affirming that that did that challenge your faith seeing death so regularly and helping people in those situations or or yeah like you were kind of i guess leading to that maybe it it forced you to to delve into that. Yeah, on the contrary, Matt. It has uh, um, cemented my faith enormously because the number of times I was able to literally feel the presence of Jesus in such situations um, are enormous. That's even though, you know, on a rational level, I can totally see um, 
the atheist point of view. And I could even argue it. I could argue it as well as Christopher Hitchin on a debate stage. Yeah, But on a personal level, emotional level, I have experienced um, uh, God for myself and for those people in a way that has removed any doubt. Yeah. I, I may have doubts about the church and how it's set up, but not about um, the, the presence of God, because I think all our existence is about coming to that moment when we are on the threshold of the kingdom um, that is not of this world. Yeah? And I have seen people pray for healing, whatever. The prayers were not heard. I've seen people pray for healing, and they got a remission for a couple of weeks, a miraculous remission for a couple of weeks before then it coming back fully and them dying. I have seen that. But what I have understood is uh, that, you know, if you look at the book of Revelation, and I never saw this myself, it was actually a patient, um, a friar, uh, um, um, a priest monk who was um, specialized in the book of the Revelation, who drew my attention to that, that all the promises of the book of the Revelation are actually meant or were originally meant to address each and every one, just rather than a group as such. And that these things unfold over time. And that's, I have found this confirmed in everything I have seen. Yeah. Are you saying that those events transpire? He was conjecturing that those events transpire in the life of each individual? Yes, diachronically. So the, 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 the unfolding of the revelation started uh, almost 2,000 years ago and it's still ongoing. It's, it's diachronical. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Yes, I have found that very, very convincing from what I have seen. And I will tell you another story. In this sense, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to actually mention it because uh, may, people may think I'm a fucking freak. Yeah, um, Or they might be led into the truth that you no, are. But, I'm just, I'm I, I want I want to, and you know me, Matt, I'm not usually this kind of, you know, this kind of, you know, person who does this, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, charismatic, whatever or stuff. Or some sort of know. esoteric spirituality. No, uh, no that's not, not at, all. at all who I am. But I did once have this, um, it was one of our first patients when the palliative care ward opened in the cancer clinic. And um, they uh, they were Catholics. They came from a village where one of when the priests had been found guilty of. Um, abusing someone who was an adolescent. And so they had completely given up their their faith in the Catholic Church. And so they asked for me to come. And this man was in the process of dying. And the, his wife was there, was very worried, and, and uh, was asking me, how long do you think it's going to take? And then, and I don't know what possessed me, I said to her, at three o'clock, our Lord Jesus died. It was a Friday. And believe it or not, when the church bells from the neighboring church struck three o'clock, that man did his last breath. That's pretty crazy. Yes, and you might have scientific explanations from it, but on an on a emotional level, that has stuck with me. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it I, did. I, those type yeah. of things, whether there there might be a yeah scientific explanation for it, but at the same time, there's that a whole you know personalization of seeing the world and ex explaining it that way as well. So yeah, that's pretty, pretty wild. I was actually thinking of you recently, kind of 
sort of on that that topic of spirituality, I'm reading Paul some Paul Tillich. Oh, and okay. uh, he has some interesting phrases. Speaking of when you were mentioning, you know, on the one hand, you could argue for the atheist side of things as well as Hitchens on the stage, but at the same time, you've seen this certain type of spirituality. And he actually has some statement saying that God is always that which precedes the subject object relationship and that any and that because people operate and think and talk about God but at the same time he should always be that which precedes that subject object relationship that at that there's a sort of this blasphemous theology that's arisen as trying to defend the existence of God and he says that rationally the christian response should be atheism to this type of rational defense of God. So Tillich, it's always this God is always this ground of he's a, he, God is, I think he says, like the ground of being. It's always that which precedes any being and being is always that, you know, yeah, this, when we experience the world, it's, it's us as a subject experiencing things as objects but God, for him, is always this thing that precedes, which is kind of similar I, or I've thought of you before that that's kind of getting out of that dialectic or, or um, dichotomy between atheism and, and theism. Yes, yes. And, and as you know, I'm, my way of getting out of that um, um, hamster wheel was um, looking at the Eastern Church tradition, particularly the school following in the footsteps of St. John Chrysostom, thinking of um, Dionysius, the Areopagite, and Gregorius Palamas. And they emphasized that uh, they called themselves agnostic, or, or they, or actually the the true knowledge of God they called agnosia. Yeah, so knowing that God is unknowable and unprovable, and that if a, a celestial figure came down in light and claimed to be God, that would at the most be an angel, because the essence of God is hidden beyond our knowledge. And that, that is a very old Christian idea put forward already by Clement of Alexandria. And all our dogmas about the Trinity and the two natures of Christ only really make sense if you see it against that sort of fundamental theology, which in, re- in turn goes back to Philo of Alexandria to the Hellenistic Jews. Yeah? That's why Christians are, are uh, actually the successors of Hellenistic Judaism, whereas the modern Jews are are the successors of Masoretic tradition of the the Pharisees. Yeah, well, um, this is a very distinct uh, philosophical uh, tradition that under underpins and underlies the Christian faith and 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 emphasizes the unknowability of God. Whereas, of course, the Scholastics and uh, Thomas of uh, Thomas Aquinas. Uh, they em- emphasize, you know, this, you know, natural theology and um, you can know God. And, and our modern science is a byproduct of, of, of uh, scholasticism. So we still have to thank them for that. But I think as a theology, it just does not work. It has been disproven. Historically, it's brought on a lot of modern advances. The idea yeah. that God has created the world and God is rational and therefore through our rationality, which has been bestowed upon us by God, we can learn and gain insight and into nature. 
Yes. And let me just give you a little example of, of how I finally understood how it works. I, I was teaching a class of um, nurse practitioners about palliative care, which I did for some years. And there was one guy, and I always ask people about their faith, etc. And he said, you know, on a rational level, I can't believe any of it. But on an emotional level, it actually speaks to me. And I think that's exactly um, describing what already the um, ancient church father said. They, they said, you know, you can experience the energies of God, but you cannot fathom the, his essence. Yeah? That's that's all what it comes down to. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit annoyed that we still have these discussions of evolutionism versus creationism which is all in in this scholastic tradition and and it's just uh flogging a dead horse and i don't know if that carries on to or, or or is similar in some even conservative protestant circles where knowledge of god and experience of god is seen in a in a very yeah, in a very certain concrete way. So that isn't there isn't very much mystery. It's just this experience. Now it is based more on experience, but that experience is seen as as total and complete, and therefore that mode of thinking is is the right way. If if you get what I'm kind of speaking yes, about, yes, and it's 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 also. I mean, some people uh, actively try to manipulate God or, or coerce God, like in prayer. Uh, and I, 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 can, I, have, I can give you two stark examples of patients. One evangelical family, they opened the Bible in, in the room. She was already like fully metastasized. And, and, and the verse they saw said, uh, thou shalt live. Yeah? And, and so they were firmly determined that she would, would live. Of course, she didn't. She died. Um, and, and that must have been a great disappointment. And then these people need to come up with excuses why this happened. Uh, and then I had an elderly German couple who told me the minute they found out, they got on their knees and said, God, the way you lead us and deal with this is what we accept. And, and um, yeah, that we will just accept your will. Thy will be done. Uh, and that's a huge and stark difference uh, that you see in people's faith and how it's constructed. And would you say most people, I know it's, it's hard to just, out of your experience, that, that many people were at peace when they were at there at the end? Or was there a lot of just, I mean, I, you weren't always there when, when people died, but were, a lot, were, yeah, were many people at peace or were a lot of people still struggling trying to hold on to every last you know, second of life? Yeah, I would say 75%. And I'm basing this on a conversation I had with nurses who are even closer to the patients than I were. 75% um, hang on to the very last and the rest, they accept it. And usually the people who accept it earlier on can go in greater peace unless their relatives make that impossible and make a huge drama and scene around it. And talking to your relatives and briefing them the right way is absolutely crucial in the way you're going to die. Because if there are lots of people who make huge drama, this is going to make it really hell. That I can say from observing many, many cases. So kind of to round this, this out, what are some 
what are some takeaways that maybe might be interesting that you know you've learned and and will take on through the rest of your life and and tell to others that maybe we haven't already covered when it comes to those those final years or even final moments we might not know how long we live but you know those those situations at the end of one's life in order to make things easier for yourself and your loved ones and things can happen at any stage in your life make sure you always you talk to your family about what you want and don't want to happen to you in a hospital talk to them about the funeral in fact lay out your funeral in detail you will to having to deal with that for a grieving family is 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 so much more difficult you can at least alleviate that by by planning your own funeral well in advance uh it, it can be painful to do it might even bring tears to your eyes to reflect on that happening but it's worthwhile worth the while for 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 your family and yourself to to get that out of the way patience testament whatever just just get it out of the way and and consider life as the precious gift that it is um don't spoil your life with thinking about death constantly and one thing i can tell you is um to die the sudden unexpected death is a privilege that only few people statistically enjoy these days. Uh, so don't be afraid of dying in a car crash or in an airplane crash because it's a lottery win uh, compared to dying slowly in a hospital. Uh, I, I used to be dead afraid of flying. And after working there for a couple of years, I was completely like relaxed about it because I was like, this is, this is if anything, a lottery win and you, you get a... Uh, um, you know your name on a plaque somewhere in a in a in a stretch of forest, <laughs> you know, uh, or to drop dead um, and heart stopped. Uh, that can be so shocking, but, but people have no idea what a what a lottery win that actually is uh, when that happens to someone. So uh, yeah, talk about it, and then don't don't bother about it too much anymore. Um, Try to deal with it naturally. Death itself is 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 nobody's enemy. Yeah, death is always a friend. Yeah? Always. I think that's a good note to land on to end on. <laughs> I know it sounds a little bit gloomy, doesn't it? But that's but my hey. experience. Yeah. yeah. No, no, that's good. Yeah, but not not get just too yeah bogged down. That's why why I stopped doing it. Yeah, because I felt no, I've. I've looked into this uh, quite a lot, and now it's time to to do something else and and discover the joys of life um, once more. <laughs> Excellent. All right, man. Well, shall we move on? Unless there's any final words you have. Um, no, it's okay. I don't believe in in emotional final words. I used to, but it's it's kind of pathetic. So uh, let's not do it. And we know yeah. death comes to us all anyway, so. It's not bothering yeah. with that. Unless, uh, unless, of course, we are lucky enough to um, to experience the rapture, you know. There we go. Hear that trumpet in the sky, man. 